This time on episode 471 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss the 2023 Disney Plus show Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, season 1, episode 13, Devil on Her Shoulder, and episode 14, Coney Island Baby, and we also talk about the Writers Guild strike. I'm Damien the DM from Adventures in Aurelia, a collaborative storytelling experience told through a game of Dungeons and Dragons, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other epically geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for a schedule debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios, who is a sister company to Lucasfilm and Happy Revenge of the Sith Day. This show is recorded on Saturday, May 6, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast LES wide. Come and join our live chat as we record. If you didn't already know about it, we like talking about Marvel. Because they brought in Spider-Man and Deadpool, and that means we can have Ghost Spider. If you'd like to talk to us about Chris's dream finally coming true, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. If you want to tell me all the reasons why it can't happen, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. But I'm not going to pay any attention to it. You can find us on Facebook at Legends of Shield Podcast. If you know any artists who you think should make me some fan art of those two together, make sure to tag us at Legends of Shield on Twitter. You can see our lovely faces on YouTube at youtube.com slash gunnageek. If you want to see if I know how to talk about anything else in the entire world, head on over to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Agent Lauren is not with us today. She stood in line all night long at her new local comic book store. It is free comic book day, and she is delving into that hard. Of course, there's also other things going on in the world today that she might be paying attention to. But she wanted to be here. She actually texted us, but her cat kept her up all night. Meow. Poor Lauren. My cat does not do that. We just fall asleep together. I <laughs> know. Uh, yeah, it's it's a long story, but uh, Cooper Puppy was at my side all night last night, and he did, in fact, wake me up way too early this morning saying, I need to go out. Come on, let's start the day. I'm like, dude, I just need five more minutes. Uh, you, you think when you reach retirement age, you can like skip the somebody's going to get me up, but I guess not. It doesn't happen. Anyway. She wanted to be here. She's not going to be here. She plans to be here next week as we talk Guardians of the Galaxy 3. But this week, we've got two more episodes of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. You two ready to discuss it? Yes. I don't think anybody's ready for this one. <laughs> we'll see. 
Girl and Devil Dinosaur, episode 13, Devil on Her Shoulder, premiered on Disney Plus April 15th, 2023. That's usually tax day in the United States, but it slipped a couple of days because it fell on a weekend this year. Episode 14, Coney Island Baby, premiered on Disney Plus April 22nd, 2023. Michelle, how about we run down some of those great IMDb descriptions so we figure out what we're talking about? Devil on Her Shoulder. Feeling insecure about his size, Devil convinces Lunella to create a potion to make him temporarily small. Coney Island Baby, Lunella must confront her childhood fear, the Coney Island Funhouse, to save Mimi from the Beyonder. A mm, couple of fun episodes. Chris, what'd you think? First thoughts. I know I wasn't here for the past few episodes, and I'm so mad about that because things are tying in. and. This is this is not just a kid's show anymore. There's super long continuity. I'm so excited. I love Mimi. And I'm surprised how important Mimi has become. Come on, guys. If a kid is doing super science, there has to be some oversight. It's just ha- it's never good for anybody to do super science unsupervised, especially kids. So I appreciate the desire to create and the imagination on the other hand it's like yeah you might want to consider a thing or two along the way again just because you can doesn't mean you should all right so with that we're going to start a discussion we're going to tie in to realizing that you being you is okay i feel like we've talked about this before because we have but it's still a very important thing It's just here we get to see it through the eyes of Devil Dinosaur and him just not getting to do all the fun things he wants to do and hang out with his friends because he's just a little bit bigger than them. And I don't know. It's just it's fun to have another way and a completely different way to get the same message because this is a really important one that I think a lot of people need to hear especially right now and being able to have it in this admittedly completely silly way. It's a lot easier to get that message sent out in a lot of ways. Not only do we have this from devil's point of view, we end up getting it from Torg's point of view because Torg is upset with how he's being depicted in the movie. And in the end, him and Devil bond over being big is good. And we can find solidarity in that. And I have to admit, I was very surprised that Devil's jams are like a 1960s feel-good psychedelic number. I loved it. Yeah, little visions of the monkeys or the Partridge family fell in there. Maybe a little bit of Brady Bunch, that sort of thing. When you're talking TV, but I know there's more than that, right? So yeah, I yeah, that was interesting. Where Devil was rocking the retro. Plus, Devil plays bass, and bass players are just cool. Yes, and he learns that being big is beautiful. You can just about understand what he's saying now. I mean, it's a little tough to speak Devil, but I like how they're doing the bubbles though with the symbols of that he's saying and such. And we're we're getting more to the Scooby-Doo level of, yeah, it's obviously something going on, but 
I think we're going to slowly get to be more understanding of what he's able to say. I think we can all identify with wanting to be a different size, whether it's you want to be thinner, you want your body to look a little bit differently, you want to be smaller to fit into places. Like if you travel on regional jets all the time and you happen to be tall, you hate being big on a regional jet. I get it. And devil just, I don't think he doesn't like who he is. I think he is more thinking in terms of, I want to fit in with everybody. I want to do what everybody else can. So I want to be their size. I love that he has a bucket list and <laughs> the ball pit. I agree with Lunella. Ball pits are unsanitary. No one really goes in there to clean each end of, they don't take the balls out to clean the pit and to clean each individual ball. It's, assess pull it's fun but insanely unsanitary can't you take them and run them through a machine though and just trust that it hits every ball enough and don't think about when the last time they ran the machine was again you don't know when they rest ran the machine <laughs> So there's only one good solution then. You have to buy your own ball pit, keep it at your house, and then you know exactly who's been in there. There you go. A lot of people get pools or hot tubs, and they only use them once or twice. So why not? Your own personal ball pit. All right, Chris, I got a question for you. Who's cuter? Baby Groot, Baby Devil, or Grogu? I don't know. It's so hard. And... We really need a team up. I know that the baby Groot and baby devil is like sitting there on a silver platter, ready to go. The fact that Lucasfilm is connected with Disney, you could get baby Grogu in there as well, all together. I just really want to see all of them running around, being their baby selves. I'm envisioning this kind of like a Muppet Babies situation. And oh, that would be so much fun. And we need it right now. I have a spot, soft spot for baby devil because I understand the body size issue and who can resist the dino puppy eyes that he was able to give everyone with that. Oh, look at me. And Lunella's like wants to be really disappointed in him, but he's like, you're so cute. Stop. Stop being cute. Stop it. I mean, she basically, Lunel basically reverse engineers and then improves upon PEM particles, right? And that's dangerous in of itself because the quantum realm can really mess up everything. So it's like, oh, you're going to send a devil dinosaur in there? Yeah, that's going to be fun. I mean, this is problematic. But then she got Casey to help mix up the cure that she got from Dr. Foster. Lab Casey with her safety glasses and her lab coat. That was pretty awesome that she just dived right in. You know, this is not her forte, but she just dived into it because she knew like, I'm the only one that can do this. So she just went in and did it. And it's what Lunella said later about Mimi that being brave, and this is getting into the next episode, but being brave is what you do when you're scared, basically. Right. So I got to hand it to Casey. She's still my favorite character in this whole thing. 
And I think it also really showed that Casey is paying attention to everything because there's no question. She threw the glasses on, she threw the coat on, she pulled her hair back. That's like every safety rule possible that we could see, you know, can't see what kind of shoes she had. But other than that, like everything my high school science classes ever wanted people to do, there you go. She's following all the safety rules. If you're dealing with a PEM particle solution, I think I would go in with a full like level four hazmat suit. I wouldn't want to get any of that on me. Well, she's in a time crunch. Also, she's showing off her expertise because she's the one who found how to get in contact with Dr. Foster. And that's scary because she's right. If your social media profile is public and you do like something, unfortunately, I'm, well, I love K-pop. Unfortunately, some of the fans are toxic and they go too far. They actually look at the group they stand and they will go through their social media and actually analyze what they like and who they follow. And if they happen to be human and like a certain photo or happen to follow someone, they will make it go big. And like I, I've seen shows and just like little interviews where it's like, you know, where one's like, you don't even follow me on Instagram. And the guy is like, you realize that if I followed you on Instagram or if I liked any of your pictures, the people who think we're already kind of should be dating will think we're actually dating. And she's like, oh, yeah, we have that other layer of pressure. So being able to find him because he liked one picture three years ago, believable. It's kind of scary what all the AI is able to pull up now and make work and make connections. And Casey might be a robot. We haven't really seen anything to prove that she's not yet. She's too fabulous to be a robot. Also, here's something interesting. Dr. Foster recognizes Moon Girl. Well, she's in the news and she's got a website and social media. So, of course. All right. And she has devil. I was just saying that the... Hashtag it's all connected is actually, you know, it's doing its job in, in this cartoon because we're getting some connections to shield the Avengers. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I'm glad we're watching it. I know it's not targeted to most of us, but now we're finding little seeds here. And Chris thinking that we can now bring in spider Gwen, which for those of you who don't think Chris, could you explain why you think they can bring in Spider-Gwen now? So you have the rights issues between where Spider-Man can be used and where all the Spider-Man characters can be used. But because Devil, while he was little, one of his dreams on his bucket list was being able to go to school. So he went to school and he told Professor Devil, because of course he was both sides of this conversation, that Deadpool does not equal Spider-Man. So not only do you have the Sony connection talking about a Spider-Man character, you have the Fox connection talking about a Deadpool character. And that makes almost every toy on my desk very happy because most of them are some version of Gwen. Understood. Understood. So we have the next episode, Coney Island Baby. Who's not afraid of clowns in this podcast? 
I'm not particularly afraid of clowns. I'm not a big fan of them or anything, though. Okay. Yeah, I don't really. I'm not a big fan of clowns, especially when they start to get aggressive. And and some of them, they, they get aggressive just because it, it's the type of comedy that they're doing. But anyway, I don't blame Lunella from being afraid of clowns. And it's not really clowns. It's the horror house that she's really afraid of. But still, I'd, I'd be afraid of clowns. I don't blame her for that, basically. Anyway. Other people are like, so whatever, but also she's afraid of like everything Coney Island, like the rides and everything. Well, she was five and she got separated from Mimi. I don't know if any of you have ever been separated from your parent in a public place. I remember being separated from my mom for a little bit in a grocery store. And I remember standing still and just yelling for my mom. And then she found me. It didn't, the separation wasn't long, but it felt like an eternity. And it's, I actually, you know, still remember it. And I was, I don't know, six, seven, around that age. Like I was barely older than Lunella. And that time feels like an eternity. I had an episode. It was during the holiday season when I was younger. I don't remember how old I was, but I was really, really young. And every year, my extended family would go to the Dayton department store in downtown Minneapolis and go up to the eighth floor. If you're not from the Twin Cities, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. They finally shut it down a couple of years ago. Dayton's was bought out by Macy's. And Macy's kind of kept it running for about 10 years or so, but they finally shut it down because they moved out of the building. And... What they would do is they, you hear about these windows in New York City where they have, you know, little figures and telling a story, you know, the windows. Well, they did that inside the eighth floor of Macy or yeah, Macy's, but it used to be Dayton's in downtown Minneapolis. And you would walk through, it's just a big auditorium and you'd walk through and it would tell a story and they had stuff like Pippi Longstocking there. They had. Uh, just a lot of different kids oriented stories and you would read the thing and you would see what was going on and then you'd move on to the next thing. And then you also saw Santa Claus, but that was the big like family gathering. Like, okay, if anybody has any last minute Christmas shopping, we'll see all this. We'll get our pictures with Santa Claus and we'll move on with shopping if we need to do it. And then we would all have a, a meal and they had a restaurant on the top of the building called the Oak grill room so we would go to the oak grill room and we would eat there well in order to get to the front of the line so this wouldn't take forever this is a big thing there's a lot of people that went and did this so you would wait hours to go through this sort of thing and then get to santa so in order to fix all that and get to the head of the line we would get there gosh awful early we would wait in the lobby until they opened the doors and then it was a rush to get to the escalators and the elevators to go up to the eighth floor one year, I wasn't paying attention. I was young, and all of a sudden, they opened the doors, and whoosh, everybody went through, and uh, no no family. I mean, this is not just my parents and my sister. This was, like, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my grandma and grandpa. Yeah, they all just whoosh, went away. So here I am in the middle of downtown Minneapolis, all alone, in this crowd that was rushing in. And then finally, this cop came up to me, and he was like, a lost son or something like that. And then just at that moment, my grandfather on a whim 
had come back. I don't know why he did because he admitted later, like, I, I don't know why I did. So he came back and he saw me and he's like, I'm here at speed. Let's go. So, yes, I was lost in a public place and my grandfather saved me for no reason whatsoever. Right. So I've been through that. And also, when my son was growing up, he would intentionally ditch me. Boo. You know, he would go into those clothing racks that are circular or whatever and go into the middle and hide and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. He thinks it's funny even to this day. Are you hoping that he has a kid who does that to him? Yes, very much so. Yes. No kids on the way for him yet, though. So, yeah. Anyway, getting lost in the Coney Island would probably be about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever been to Coney Island? No. I've never been that far north in this country. I was born in New York and I've never been to Coney Island, but uh, I was just wondering if, uh, so if you're listening to this and you've been to Coney Island, just let us know what your experiences are. We would appreciate that. Anyway, we get to Beyonder back. Beyonder is so cool. And he's eating and you know what that means. What does that mean, Chris? It means eventually he's going to have to poop because that's how science works. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. So he doesn't eat, right? Yeah. Well, he's discovering food, and I guess if he wants to get the human experience, he will allow himself to digest it in the way that we do, and then experience pooping. I think that in Star Trek The Next Generation, I think they did an episode where Q had to do that sort of stuff, where he became human, like he was excommunicating from the continuum, and he had to go through all that stuff. Yes, and then remember on Legion, where Remember the two who shared the body and the woman was usually like inside the guy when he had to like eat and go to the bathroom. And then when she was separated, she was just like, how do you do this? (laughs) All this stuff is coming out of me. How do you put up with this? (laughs) Yeah, lots of stuff there. I don't think the Beyonder is done. He's having some fun and he's you know, legitimately, I guess, trying to see if humanity is worth saving or whatever. But I think he's got an even bigger agenda than that. But maybe I'm reading too much into it. Oh, no, there's no way you're reading too much into this. Part of the problem with me not being here for the past two episodes is that we watched all six last night. So as we were getting ready for this, because, yeah, we're going to watch them all anyway. Like little moments. I'm sitting here and about to say something and then realizing, oh, that's from like four episodes ago. But the Beyonder is all over the place and the super horribleness that is the ending of this episode and us having to take the extra week for Guardians of the Galaxy. It is the best and worst place for that episode to be dropped in here. Yeah, it's going to take us two weeks to get back to this. And his little conversation with Mimi was uh, pretty telling at the end. That's why we think Mimi knows that Lunella's moon girl, because there's something going on with Mimi. Oh, I think she's known for a long time. Like, is, if there's anything else you need to tell me, you know, that's cool. I'm ready to hear it. Like, really, what else could she be talking about? Lauren has a note in the show notes. I just want to mention it. I don't have any additional background on it, but. Lauren felt it important enough to put in the show notes. She wrote that Granville T. Woods, the quote-unquote Black Edison, was a black scientist who invented the electric roller coaster. 
He had many of his inventions stolen, but she wrote Fascinating Guy. Do you guys know anything more about it than that? Unfortunately, I do not. Same here. Ditto. Okay, so maybe when Lauren comes back in two weeks, we can explore that just a little bit more before we get into the rest of the episode. Do you guys have anything else that you want to talk about these two? I do like the message that bravery is how you handle fear. Fear is part of life and having fear makes us stop and think, should we do this? Should we not do it? Being fearless has its benefits, has its downsides. So for example, in my Dungeons and Dragons game, I'm playing a kinder. A kinder is known for just being fearless. And because of that, I can playing into it because I, I really enjoy the role-playing part. My character ran right into something and the rest of my party almost got killed, which is not good. So my character's learning there's a line between fearlessness and stupidity. And so this whole idea that Beyonder made Lunella learn what Mimi said to her, which is bravery is how you handle fear and how you get through it. I'd like to bring up Torg. We hadn't talked about Torg yet, but Torg was the quote unquote villain in the devil on her shoulder episode. And I think devil's got a friend in Torg now. Yeah. Chris, you got anything else? Being a nineties kid, obviously I watched Rugrats and just finally getting to see a really good Reptar versus Thorg battle played out here. Even though Devil wasn't green anymore by the time they had their fight, names are close enough. I'm going to make that connection because I've just wanted to see that for so long. And having them be able to sit there and, hey, this is silly. Why are we fighting? Wait, we're both just seen as big bad guys. You know, getting that message of you're who you say you are, not who everybody else says you are is really important. Okay, let me ask you guys something. So they're in the movie theater when Devil is, you know, miniaturized, and the person gets up, starts announcing the movie. That never happens around here. I assume it happens in some of the more posh movie-going places. But one of the things she said is, we're out of popcorn, and, like, the whole aisle was popcorn around Devil. Okay, granted, they bought all the popcorn, they brought it into the theater. You can make more. Not if they made it all for Devil. I mean... There's always more popcorn at a movie theater. It's not like a banana stand where there's always money in it, though. Eventually, you'll run out of kernels. It's like the last thing growing in Interstellar. There's corn. That's it. There's corn. This is going to suck for me personally because, well, I'm allergic to corn. But anyway. It's not like there's a cornfield outside of the movie theater where they can go harvest the corn and then process it to make kernels. They have a limited supply. Of course, one would be surprised if they did run out, because as you said, there seems to be an endless amount of popcorn. But we're dealing with Devil Dinosaur, our wonderful T-Rex. We already saw that his arms did not shrink proportionally to the rest of his body because he was able to give Casey and Lunella a hug at the same time and actually get good coverage on that hug. 
So there could be a very good chance that his appetite did not shrink along with his body. All the fun that you have with a cartoon. All right, last thoughts. Chris, you can go first. So far, this has just been a fun kids TV show. And it was cool going back, seeing in the episode with the Time Skippy app that there were scenes from future episodes that you know we've seen here. But the fact that this is all of a sudden with the ending of Coney Island Baby, oh, hey, this is connected, Mimi, you're really important. Something's going to happen here. I think this is going to be one that people are going to realize that they should probably go back and watch, even if it ends up having some kind of supercut of the important moments. I now understand why it has a season two coming because the the show has subtly gone into the hashtag it's all connected well we got two more episodes left i did check again there's only a total of 16 episodes right now and i don't know if that's how many there were or whatever i've just been going off of how many episodes are at disney plus so we should be wrapping this up basically is what i'm trying to say in two weeks next week we'll be talking about guardians of the galaxy Volume three, I, Michelle, you and I talked about when we were going to go see it. I'm thinking I'm going to have to take Monday off because of a, something needs to be fixed around the house. I think I'm going to have to take Monday off. I have uh, some contractors coming over. I might be able to go to the theater after that. So I think that might be when I see it. Chris, when are you going to see it? I'm going to go see it tomorrow and then we're going to go out to eat and then I'm going to talk to somebody about giant robots. Okay. That's good. Michelle. When are you planning on seeing it? Have you changed your mind? It looks like tomorrow. Okay. Well, and we will be discussing that next time. We are looking forward to your responses on Guardians Galaxy Volume 3. So if you have anything, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. Send us an email. You can send it to StargatePioneer at GoonieGeek.com or go ahead and catch our phone number. We have a phone number and you can leave, I believe, a two-minute voicemail. So just forewarning, you only get two minutes. And that is 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. All right, right now we're going to move on to not just a Marvel news story, but something that affects all entertainment in TV and film. And we're going to give it our best shot at uh, what's going on. So see you guys. and. Two and two, as Chuck Willery used to say. You probably heard by now, but the Writers Guild Association is on strike. They announced it on May 1st, 2023 on a website named WGAContract2023.org. And it had that headline, Our negotiation with the studios and streamers has failed to reach an agreement. We are on strike. You guys mind if I read this whole thing as we go forward here, or do you guys just want to get into the discussion? You can read as much as of it that you want. Okay. I agree. Dear members, we have not reached an agreement with the studios and streamers. We will be on strike after the contract expires at midnight. Your WGA negotiating committee spent the last six weeks negotiating with Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Disney, 
Discovery Warner, NBC Universal, Paramount, and Sony under the umbrella of the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which they have a abbreviation AMPTP. Over the course of the negotiation, we explain how the company's business practices have slashed our compensation and residuals and undermined our working conditions. Our chief negotiator, as well as writers on the committee, made clear to the studio's labor representatives that we are determined to achieve a new contract with fair pay that reflects the value of our contribution to company success and includes protections to ensure that writing survives as a sustainable profession. We advocated on behalf of members across all sectors, features, episodic television, and comedy variety and other non-prime time programs by giving them facts, concrete examples, and reasonable solutions. Guild members demonstrated collective resolve and support of the agenda with a 97.85% strike authorization. Though we negotiated intent on making a fair deal and through your strike vote gave us the leverage to make some gains, the studio's responses to our proposals have been wholly insufficient given the existential crisis writers are facing. The company's behavior has created a gig economy inside a union workforce and their immovable stance on this negotiation has betrayed a commitment to further devaluating the profession of writing. From their refusal to guarantee any level of weekly employment in episodic television to the creation of a, quote, day rate, unquote, in comedy variety, to their stonewalling on free work for screenwriters and on AI for all writers. They have closed the door on their labor force and opened the door to writing as an entirely freelance profession. No such deal could ever be contemplated by this membership. Therefore, earlier today, the negotiating committee unanimously rejected the AMPTP's final offer before deadline and recommended to the WGAW board and the WGAE council the issuance of a strike order. Based on that recommendation, the board and council unanimously voted to strike after the current MBA's expiration at midnight tonight. A strike by the WGAW and WGAE against all companies signatory to the 2020 MBA will begin on Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023 at 12.01 a.m. Pacific Time or 3.01 a.m. Eastern Time. We must now exert the maximum leverage possible to get a fair contract by withholding our labor. All WGA members are obligated to follow the strike rules. The FAQ about the strike rules includes forms to assist with notice requirements as well as contract information for guild staff to provide additional guidance. Members of the negotiating committee, board, and council will be out with you on the picket lines. The initial picketing schedule can be found here and will be updated regularly. Writers Guild members can hear a full report from the negotiating committee in Los Angeles at the Shrine Auditorium at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, May 3rd, and in New York at Copper Union at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Members outside of Los Angeles and New York or who are otherwise unable to attend a meeting will receive information in the coming days to hear from leadership and receive information about additional ways to support the strike. Here is what all writers know. The companies have broken this business. 
They have taken so much from the very people, the writers who have made them wealthy, but what they cannot take from us is each other, our solidarity, our mutual commitment to save ourselves, and this profession that we love. We had hoped to do this through reasonable conversation. Now we will do it through struggle. For the sake of our present and our future, we have been given no other choice. In solidarity, WGA Negotiating Committee. This is not the first time that there's been a writer's strike. There's been a writer's strike before. There was a writer's strike when Heroes was on. There was a writer's strike when the Battlestar Galactica was in the process of filming. And arguably, both shows came out from it for the worse. I'm hoping that doesn't happen this time, but there is no indication of how long this strike is actually going to last. And Chris, you just told me some information before we went on air about a particular company and what they are telling their writers on staff to do. Disney is involved. They're certainly not the only company saying this, but they are the most pertinent to this podcast here. But they are there are people saying that if you are a writer slash showrunner or writer slash camera person, you know, just writer and something else. They do expect you to come in and do the portions of your job that are not required for being a writer, that they need you to do the other part. I mean, if if you're going to go to work, you need to get paid. And there's, in my eyes, there's probably some information I, I'm not privy to here, but it, that's a hard choice between, you know, do I get paid? Or do I go and join the picket lines here? At this point, I don't think there's really a wrong answer you can get there for an individual person because people do need to survive. That being said, I want to super reiterate, there is probably information that I am not privy to here. So if you know something that's going to make me lean one way or the other, yeah, let us know because I want to know that. Also, what came out is the Director's Guild contract is up at the end of the month. And if they don't get a deal, then we're going to get a director strike. The Teamsters have already stated that they're not going to cross picket lines. And I've worked, I worked in the industry for like two years. The Teamsters are a force because they are the ones who drive the trucks with all of our equipment on there. And if you upset a Teamster, they will conveniently be 20 minutes late or do this or do that because they know their worth and they extort, they make sure people know their worth. I'm not saying that they're evil. They're not. But they are expected, you know, for example, if someone's call time to be in makeup is 6 a.m. Because a lot of times, like if you're doing something special effects heavy and you got an actor that needs to be there at 6 a.m., Teamsters have to be there earlier if they have to get things off the truck or anything like that. And then there's other crew that has to be there earlier. And if for some reason you've decided to push that back two hours or anything, there becomes this, I got here at four o'clock in the morning. I haven't eaten yet. 
I haven't even had coffee yet. Of course, there's going to be a level of being upset. And of course, they're going to take naps during the afternoon because I got there at four o'clock in the morning. I would be taking a nap around noon as well if I had to get be there at 4 a.m. I'm not needed at the moment. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm not going to be upset about that either. But the Tamesters are sticking by this. There are some others who are. And if we get a director strike as well, considering how many directors and writers are also producers, we're just going to get a stoppage of productions. Like if you if you thought the stoppage of production for the pandemic was bad. We're going to go through that again. I know for some of us, it's like, okay, we can catch up on things. But there is a chain reaction in Hollywood when it comes to this, because now the gaffers, the camera people aren't going to be working. Catering people aren't going to be working. Makeup artists, prop people. There is this huge ripple effect that a lot of people don't understand when it comes to just, oh, the writers are on strike. Some things can't be made. Hundreds of people. One of the things I kind of like about the shawarmas at Marvel movies, it makes people sit and watch the credits and realize just how many hundreds of people it takes to bring this story to everyone. And so every single person that you see in those credits their livelihoods are in danger. And trust me, gaffers and camera people do not make the same amount of money as writers, producers, and directors. So they're going to get they're going to get hit and they're going to get hard. It's just going to become difficult all the way around. Yeah, you mentioned something that I've stated many, many times. I am woefully behind on a lot of stuff that I want to catch up on. This'll eventually allow me to catch up on a little bit of the stuff but at the same time i'll be sad because there isn't anything new i really enjoyed this winter and this spring as i was watching the mandalorian as i was watching the bad batch as i was watching even this the moon Gorum devil dinosaur which is all new stuff to me i also caught up on a few things but i did enjoy that and i'm gonna miss not having that as we go forward i know that I have some friends that are WGA members and they said that the studios and individual producers were going nuts the past two months and they were paying exorbitant amount of prices to get projects turned in before this happened. It gave a lot of people a chance to stock up on some money, but eventually this is going to hurt a lot of people like you just said. So there is a, a bonus for just an average consumer, but there is a detriment as well as you move on. And the way I understand it, there are two contentious points among everything that the writers are asking for. One, we kind of explored earlier a couple of years ago when the Black Widow movie went out and Scarlett Johansson was saying, well, you broke your contract by not putting it out in theaters and you streamed it only and my contract didn't have any streaming things in it, so therefore you didn't pay me. And then she sued, and she eventually won that. So their streaming rights, even with writers, their streaming rights that just aren't in the contracts these days, and the system hasn't caught up to that. 
so the writers are asking for their fair share of money that's given via the streaming stuff. And the other thing that I've seen, and and you guys, if you have another contentious point that I'm missing with these two, please chime in. The other thing that I've seen is the use of AI in writing. And how is that going to uh, be compensated uh, in the training models? Like if you give straight, and this has gone on with in the imagery with like Dolly and those sorts of things already with artists and graphic artists is, okay, so you're training this AI on this stuff that exists. Do I give the right to do that? Do I have any right to, for my stuff to not be included or to be compensated in the training models for new AI that is being set to do that sort of stuff. So I think that those two alone are going to be very interesting as this workforce continues to survive as a profession, as they stated in the WGA. So did I hit two of the main contentious points? Are there others that I've missed? The third one is the gig economy. The reduction of having staff writers on a television show, bringing in a writer here, a writer there, meaning they only get paid for one episode. And they're not knowing if they're going to get another episode. So turning it into a not being able to have a steady source of income. There's a reason why the film pay, because you write one script because it's a film, it's supposed to be more complicated, is different than if you're a writer a regular writer on a television show because you're getting regular employment. And now if they're switching that up and they're just doing freelance work, which is somehow sometimes, you know, like that's how you're supposed to break into the industry. You're supposed to do spec scripts and then you're hoping to get hired for either doing a movie or doing some TV shows and then eventually making a show or getting a deal to where your scripts get a first look deal with this studio or this producer. And that seems to be declining. And they're right. They need to make sure they have a steady source of income, which is the big point residuals. The big thing are residuals. There are actors and writers, directors who are still living off of residuals of things that they did like two to five years ago. So I ran into one article on The Hollywood Reporter that was focusing on the effects of the movie strike on Marvel itself. And they went through Blade. They went through Captain America, The New World Order, which is filming right now in Atlanta. The TV show, Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Wonder Man is now filming in Los Angeles. Deadpool 3 is expected to go in front of cameras later this month in London. Thunderbolts is going to hit Atlanta in June. As of now, Thunderbolts is still on track. And also Fantastic Four, which is set to start production in January 2024 in London. Right now, all of this is pending, uh, or still going on, pending the resolution of the WGA strike. I think Fantastic Four right now would be the one that might be hit the most, which is really, I mean, that's a linchpin in the MCU. That would really be bad if the writer's strike affected it like they were pushing production 
and really truncated the writing portion of it, I think that would be really bad for Marvel and the MCU and Disney. So maybe this will push back Fantastic Four even further, which Disney doesn't want to do because they like having the three movies and two series every year or whatever they are planning on doing. I forget what we, we covered that a couple of weeks ago. So there is effects to the Marvel universe. We will keep track of it as this strike goes on. I don't anticipate it being solved anytime soon, although maybe, right? But I anticipate this lasting at least a few more weeks, if not a few months. So we'll see what happens with the Marvel MCU. I mean, as usual with these kinds of things, it will last as long as the writers feel like it needs to to get what they need and as long as the motion picture and television producers alliance is willing to sit there and you know until it starts hitting their pocketbook really that that's when they start paying attention most of the time and everybody up in that position once they start losing money it starts getting serious for them I guess it didn't say exactly what happened with Blade. Marvel Studios shut down production, and they sent out notifications to the cast and the crew that they were shutting down production yesterday, actually. So we'll see what happens with all these other things and as we go forward with the MCU and the series. I mean, in terms of this podcast, we've got a lot that we can go back and, and re-hit on the We've been threatening go back to do a rewatch of Agents of Shield anyway, so maybe this is a good time for us for this podcast. But eventually, we're going to need new content because that's the way this podcast works. So we'll see how the future goes just for us. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm just going to say that I'm in the WGA corner and I'm fine with this. I'm not saying that they're doing a bad thing. I think that all this needs to be worked out and. The industry either needs to decide that it's going to have writers or it's going to have AI in the future. And if they do decide, if the industry decides they're going to give away from this profession and they're going to go with AI, scripts are going to suck for the first few years until they start to get better. It's just, it's not ready to go prime time at all. And AI cannot replace the complexity of humans i'm sorry white guys you've had a good run we need new fresh stories think about jordan peele jordan peele has such a unique view on the world and all of his experiences this is how we've gotten you know get out and nope there are others that i could just go on but i just want to like just bring up one There are just certain things that AI cannot reproduce. We have so many stories that can be told. Like, you know, the scientists that Lauren brought up, right? Granville T. Woods. I don't know who this person is. Someone's getting their stuff stolen. That's an intriguing story. That would be cool to, you know, perhaps get adapted into some really cool like movie or something there are just so many other things like for example pose i loved pose and there's no way ai could bring about a story that took place from the 1970s into the 1980s that talked about the transgender community and the aids and giving us 
wonderful performances, especially by Billy Porter. AI cannot reproduce the fabulousness of Billy Porter. It just can't. So there are just, I hope in a way that people are going to realize we need to stop being with this generic stuff and search out more complex stories and more interesting stories. Who knows? It's a balance that you have to make with the general public right now between trying to push stuff that is perceived as quote unquote woke, right? And just getting out great stories. I'm all for diversity. I've always said on this podcast that the key to any great team is diversity and diversity of thought. And you get diversity of thought through the actual diversity. So I'm all for that. And yeah, AI can't replicate that for sure, especially if it's based on existing projects that are mostly looking at a single viewpoint from a single lens, white guys, whatever. So yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Which I still have and to that, watch. That's it. That's okay. I'm going to stop. All right. Well, we'll see how this affects everything and we'll keep tabs on productions as they stop, slow down or shut down, or we'll, we'll see uh, how this negotiation progresses and also with the directors guild and see how that goes. All right. So with that, how do you think we should get this out? I think we need to run down the street and grab some popcorn because there are, there's just not any left of this theater. Do you like butter? I like to have popcorn with my butter. (laughs) All right, let's go do that. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. We have had uh, at least two podcasts on the Picard Season 3 on the Gonna Geek Network. There was the Gonna Geek spectacular 400 episode that was just published over the weekend and we also had smoking and drinking in space cover the season three of card finale which is also in my opinion the star trek the next generation finale so all that's going on over there don't forget other comic book related properties like play comics podcast like smoking and drinking in capes and also our friends over on Capes on the Couch. You can find all of that over on guineageek.com. I'd like to thank everyone who interacts with us, whether it's Twitter or Discord. There are some great conversations that happen in Discord. We really appreciate it. Yes, everybody who comes and shares their opinion with us tells us how smart everybody is or how dumb I am. Sometimes I try to be dumb on purpose. I I think you guys have picked up on that by now. But it has been great, and I just really want to see more of it. All right. We will be talking Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the finale, and all of it next week. Till next time, I'm SP. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. Bye. 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 Remember to press all the fun buttons. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com 
and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Somebody was messing around with some text-to-speech and got a sample of SP's voice, and it doesn't sound like SP, but it's eerily human. (laughs) Hold on a second. Cooper or robot vacuum? Cooper? All right, I'll take the vacuum. Okay. Was it Cooper or the robot vacuum? (laughs) Uh, Cooper's outside. And uh, and he'll stay outside now until somebody lets him in, because I'm not going to do it. And the robot vacuum is running. It should be finished in about five minutes. But in the mail yesterday, I got my Ooh. official SpaceX Whoa. mission patch from the ah. test flight. It doesn't say orbital on it, thank gosh, because, well, it didn't make orbit. <laughs> it went boom. Went boom. I'm trying to remember the exact time. The first stage was supposed to run for, I think, two minutes, 39 seconds. But it ran for four minutes. <laughs> and they did not decouple the upper stage, which they haven't said it yet. I think this is my speculation. It's think that the hydraulic system completely failed, so they couldn't. But they said they decided not to eject the second stage and fire it. That's what they said. We decided to. No, <laughs> you didn't have it. Any. Decided. It decided. <laughs> so they decided not to after they were told that it wasn't going to happen <laughs> yeah, by right. the thing itself. Yeah, let's yeah. just see how long it goes, which is a data point all of itself. So, okay. The pockets, I kind of went in charge here. I officially cut the cord. Really? Yes. I had fiber installed on Monday. I got YouTube. No, it was Monday or Tuesday. It was Monday. I think on Wednesday, I bought YouTube TV. And Friday, I brought the boxes and the DVR. I had three DVR boxes. The modem was my own, which still sits up there. Monday night, though, after it got all installed and I was using. Was it Monday? Keep thinking it's Monday. I think it was Tuesday. Yes, it was Tuesday. So Tuesday night, I got cable installed. Wednesday, I got YouTube TV. But Tuesday night after I got cable installed, I turned off the the modem. Just switch, went off. So no more cable internet, although it was here for a couple of days in case I needed it. No more TV. And then I took the cable boxes in yesterday morning. That was a weird experience, by the way. First of all, I had to schedule a time. I didn't have to, but it was the way I was running a tight schedule yesterday. I'll tell you why in a second. I was running a tight schedule yesterday and I needed a specific time. I needed to be able to get out at a specific time. It didn't open until 10. They didn't have a 10 o'clock appointment. So I just went with 1020, which I think they have 20 minute appointments. And it was at a new store that was closer to me versus the one that was farther away from me. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it. It's saying I can do it there. So I did it. It was a Spectrum One store. Are you guys familiar with Spectrum One? 
No. Is that different from Spectrum? Well, I think it's what they morphed into, and this is what I'm going to get to. It was not just a cable company anymore. It was mobile services. It was mobile internet. It was, they didn't say cable at all. It was like mobile. So Spectrum One Mobile is now. So I go in there and it looks like a Verizon store or Sprint store, you know, whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. uh oh, maybe they can't take the boxes back. It's like, so I get to the the thing and he's like, okay, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to turn off my account. Goes okay, and he uh, cancels my account. No attempt at upsell. No attempt at at uh, pivoting to their services at all. Just okay, I'll cancel your account. But that's how they're going to stay in business. They are now a mobile phone company. I haven't even heard of them as a mobile company. They've been advertising it on my bills, which come every month, right? And I was like, okay, Spectrum One. Nope. I thought it was like, we will give you a discount for like Verizon or ATT or whatever. Nope. It was their own. I'm like, okay. Okay, then. Yeah. So that's how you're going to save the times, I guess. Save your company. And I told this story to somebody else this past week. I was thinking about this and I was like, you know what this reminds me of? My grandparents. It reminds me of my grandparents because, you know, here I am, one of the last vestiges of cable. And I know other people. Michelle, I think you still have cable, right? No. Okay. Well, there are some places that the internet, the fastest internet you can get is only broadband cable. So I kept the cable with the internet and i was paying you guys will be shocked at this i'm i'm guessing 290 dollars a month for cable tv and internet wow yeah yeah on purpose (laughs) well it had just risen it it had gone up during the pandemic it was like closer to 200 and then went up to 250 and then just this year it went up to 290 and was like no no so when they started installing fiber in my neighborhood, people are legitimately fighting to get install slots for the fiber because they want to get off a cable. They've been calling cable, trying to get lower rates ever since they jacked them up. And Spectrum has been hard over on, no, we're not going to um, lower your rates for the last 12, 18 months. All of a sudden, fiber gets installed. People are calling to can't. There's only two ways you can cancel. You cannot cancel on the internet, which I think is a safety protocol, which I actually appreciate. But you have to do it on the phone, in person, talking to somebody, or in person at their store. That's the two ways that you can cancel. So people are calling to cancel, and they all of a sudden are like, "Oh, we will give you seventy five percent off to stay with us and whatever." And I'm like. Well, where was that a year ago? I mean, if you would have extended that courtesy a year ago, I'll bet you people wouldn't be jumping to get on (laughs) fiber. I mean, there's people that legitimately don't need the one gig fiber back and forth. And they would be happy sticking with what they have if it was lesser price. But no, they were hard over on it. The internet was $100 a month and my cable was $190 a month. Jeez. When it came down to, I was trying to split up the bill. I think that's what it came down to. So everybody on the neighborhood group has been saying, yep, tried to cancel online. And they said they'd give me 
you know, 75, 80% off or whatever. And to a T, every one of them is like, I asked for this a year ago. You said no then. I'm saying no to you now. Bye-bye. Yeah. So there you go. So yesterday I was running a tight schedule because my daughter's serious boyfriend got graduated from the University of Kentucky. Ah. So I had to drive down to Lexington. Good for him. Yeah. Computer science degree. Top of his class. 4.0 GPA. All good, right? And uh, had to drive the, whatever it is, two and a half hours down to Lexington. Kentucky. And of course, today, you know what happens this afternoon? Free comic book day. That's true, but that's all day. What I'm talking about is the Kentucky Derby, which isn't in Lexington. It's in Louisville, but it's in Kentucky. So everybody's like focused on the horse racing. and It's like a statewide thing. Well, also King Charles III is getting coronated this weekend. There's that too. Yeah. No, thanks. Are you into it? Are you watching it? Yeah. That is interesting for different reasons. Yeah. Are you guys watching it or? Nope. No. I'll watch the highlights on YouTube or whatever, but I'm not going to watch the whole thing. I'm actually fans of the whole royal family just from the, I don't know, celebrity aspect or whatever. And it's my reality TVs watching. What mm-hmm. happens with the royal yeah. family. But King Charles, uh-uh. That's where I cut the... <laughs> that's the line. Yeah. Nope. Last time we had a King Charles, we got new cannons. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm hoping that we get King William soon. Yeah. What's going Like, King Charles. Charles was the prince who has waited the longest because Elizabeth II's the reign has been the longest. So he's been the longest Prince of Wales. And I'm sorry, I don't want anything bad to happen to him or anything, but we have to admit he's up there. So I'm sorry, his reign's not going to be exactly long. Well, you know, his dad lived to what, 98? Yeah. So he's 70 something. So, yeah. So we're looking at like 20 years or something. Maybe. Maybe I, I would hope that he would abdicate and give it to William, but I just, he is. Oh, he's not. No. Oh, he's been waiting for 70 years. He's like, it's mine now, baby. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, I'm not. This is what breaks my entertainment value of the royal family. Yeah. yeah. And my mistress is my queen. So yeah, I'm milking this. Yeah. She's, uh, did the edict go out? Because they're just saying queen now. They're not saying. Well, she's queen consort, but it's still queen. Yeah. She's got the crown. She's sitting next to him. Right. Well, nobody's saying queen consort. They're saying just flat just out queen. queen. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it, but eh, no, not I'm so not going to call her queen, whatever. She's just Camilla. She's the mistress. Queen mistress. There we go. I pushed record now. So that way. <laughs> queen mistress record. Uh, let's go. <laughs> One other thing happened this week. I sold one of my old mowers, one of my old gas. I'm down, down, now down to one gas mower that I'm trying to sell. There's an active listing right now, but this one might be thrown away because, well, not only burns oil, but it leaks oil and it leaks gas. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would want to buy that one. I'm sorry. No, but so the average person won't, but the person that's looking to flip, 
might want to take it and then earn some money. So I'm going to gradually decrease the price where it gets down to free eventually. And then I have a junker that comes by trash day and he will gladly take old mower. Seriously, it, it, apparently there's a lot of money in, and this is a metal deck. It's a, a Toro super recycler. So it's got a nice metal. De- the deck alone is worth a hundred dollars. Like if I would part it out. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see if somebody takes it. I'm not going to part it out. I just want to sell it. So let the person that takes it either part it out or whatever. So yeah, that was an, there's probably other things, but yeah, that was my big wig. So anyway, you froze up right after I told you about my attempts to clone SP's voice. Oh yeah. What happened? It doesn't sound like SP really, but it does sound goodly human enough to use for things. Oh no, a deep fake of SP. Yeah. Talking about deep fakes and AI and stuff like that, I was actually interviewed by a company that is doing a research article on AI and its implementation in the podcasting. I don't know why it's just hitting in the last week or two, but there's a bunch of interest uh, lately. So I there's know I've recently know. been a bunch of like one file install something and have it install everything instead of having to go through all the complicated steps in the uh, command line. I know I'm getting students. I know I'm getting stuff from Jet TPT. I just know it the way that it sounds and the way that it it, it just does. I've isn't there a way to check that? No, not yet. Not yet. We don't have like a. It sounds like an AI, but I can just tell. From just the phrasing, these words aren't in the course, the phrasing of it, the I don't think Jack TPT cannot have opinions. That is one thing it cannot, ha- it does not have opinions and it doesn't have beliefs. It also cannot, like if you're writing some sort of research paper and you need like a quote from the text in order to support your point. It can't do that either. Oh, really? Really. So there are things that it cannot do. Because if you're like, I want to write an essay on Lord of the Rings, or like Lord of the Rings, blah, blah, blah. It will not find text for you in order to, you know, quote it and be like, that's page 400 and something of Fellowship of the Ring. And it cannot, it can't do that. So there's going, in education, it's like the way that, it's going to have to go back to, it's like, we're going to have to, it's like, fine, give me rough drafts, give me your outline. We're going to have to do more project best things where, where we make them work and make them think and make them make connections because chat TPT cannot do that because you can't, it's like, well, take what you've learned in unit two because chat TPT doesn't know what you learned in unit two and apply it to here. Doesn't know the social emotional exercises that you've done. We're going to actually have to really layer education now, really force them to make reflections and do more project-based learning in order to get around this because so that way then we're just not going to get a whole bunch of essays that are generic and made by chat TPT. That's what has to happen. Yeah, I saw an article this past week that said somebody got a zero on an essay because it was found to be 100% AI generated. And I don't know how they did that. There is something called, oh, it's something GPT and stuff. And I know Turnitin is starting to get an AI 
part they're developing. Turnitin is one of the top plagiarism checkers. And we use that. And yeah, it's pretty good. It's starting to do an AI, um, but it's not fully in there. By next year, it should be like fully completed where it's going to be. This has AI aspects to it. Mm. There is another way to do it. And then I think someone was able to like copy and paste and ask Jet GPT if they wrote it, but I don't know if that was successful or not. So I'm just, because we're just starting to, you know, get, get used to these things and such. Well, Chat GPT, from what I understand, if you use it, the database is only supposed to be localized to you. So like the cutoff was September 21 or something like that. And then, or 22. And then anything that is in your session, it learns. But if it's somebody else's session, I don't know if they're starting to incorporate that or not. All this is fluid right now. Who knows, right? And then chat GPT or GPT-4 is supposed to be even better, but you have to pay for it. So I don't know. I know that in our midterm appraisals as an office, we all use chat GPT to write our appraisals, but we had to feed stuff into it. And it was more like, okay, can you make this a better statement sort of thing versus just write my appraisal for me? That's how I use Grammarly. I use Grammarly because I type I'm doing a whole bunch of papers and everything because I'm still in grad school. And then I'll run Grammarly and Grammarly be like, you made this mistake. How about if you, it takes my sentence and it's like, here's how you can write this with fewer words or with a clear intent. You could use a transition here. It's like a proofreader. For me, Grammarly is my proofreader. It would be the same thing as like if my English teacher or proofreader would just be like marking it up. That's what Grammarly does for me. So using it that way, I think is cool. If you've put in your original stuff and everything, because sometimes, you know, having thought flow and, and such can be difficult. So yeah, if you're inputting your original stuff and yeah, That's I did cool. the same thing for my daughter. She had a resume that she had to build for a class, which is what you do in college nowadays. They help you, or some colleges anyway, and universities, they help you position yourself so you can get a job. So they go through mock interviews and resumes, and it's part of a, a class. I forget what class. I want to say admi- like nurses administration or something like that. And she had a draft of her resume, and what I would do is I would put blocks in and i would say you know how would you write this same sort of thing so her resume wasn't completely ai driven it was the driven section by section i didn't know about grammarly i've never used grammarly so maybe i should look into that and uh, just look at the grammar aspect of it first yeah i do pay for it i know it's it's got a price tag but for me it helps because you can do tone of voice when, when you pay for it, you can do tone of voice. And one of the ones I can pick is academic and it helps catch my eyes and use because in academic writing, you don't do first person or second person. It's all like the, it's all like third yeah. the person, the teacher, the, the blah, blah, blah. It helps catch that for me. All right. Conveniently enough, there's a couple AI things on Humble Bundle right now. Oh, really? Yep. There is a set of books 
the ultimate guides to chat GPT and AI chatbots. Oh. And there is a software package that I would need to see what else was in there because I see words that I recognize, but not really what they're um, don't understand enough for what they're meaning yet. So not all of them are free then. Right. Um, I know like Eleven Labs has a really, really good speech to text or text to speech rather. And you get like something like 15,000 characters of text a month that it'll do. And then you have to start paying for it. But I mean, you're paying so little at that point. I don't think it would really matter. But I went and installed a Python thing on my computer and I'm doing it that way. So I know a lot of the writers have been supplementing income, like on the gig economy, if you want to say that on uh, sequentially, kind of like the, the, the old Dickens style where they would publish stuff on the newspaper uh, via column for words or whatever. But a lot of them are getting on these various websites and um, producing chapters of greater works mm-hmm. and uh, i'm sending you guys a link to one that was recommended to me by a co-worker on reddit uh and actually the reddit community has told him to slow down because he was just making too much money he's got um fascinating backstory where uh he basically had a he I think it was an IED explosion or whatever, and his mind was affected by it. Now he just can't stop uh, continually thinking creatively and just has a story in his mind that he's been trying to get out. So that is just an example of how people are doing it through like Patreon and stuff like that. So if you find a writer that you want to support and they have some sort of a story that you want to, uh, or that, that speaks to you, you can support the writers through that sort of stuff by a dollar Patreon donation to some of these guys. Uh, some of them are expensive, like $10 per creation or month or whatever, but some are one or $2 per chapter. So if you want to support the writers that way, some of them are making some money on the side so they can weather this storm through those creative endeavors. I will huh. definitely have to check that out. I mean, there's, there's literally hundreds of stories out there available and uh, that was just one the the reddit the subreddit that mm-hmm. that link that i sent you on that they, they have you know, stories that come up the wazoo there but um, there, there's other places as well some of them are finding uh, their creative juices in erotica some of them are sci-fi some of them are you know cr- trying to create the next great american novel that sort of thing so all sorts of genres out there oh so instead of submitting them to a magazine they're just publishing them on the internet and uh doing crowdfunding ah some of them are making free like they have a bunch of of storylines that they're continually doing and some of them are free because you you have to hook somebody in to your writing style your storylines that sort of stuff but some of them once they get an audience they say okay i'm going to slow the public release but if you want it earlier you can sign up for the patreon or you know whatever a lot of them are using patreon not all of them are using patreon but patreon has been a big 
boon for these writers as they go forward, either as a side gig or now it's like their sole income as they go forward. Just FYI, keep your eyes open to, you know, whatever, whatever you think you want to support there. I'm not advocating for anything in particular, but uh, I know everybody's tastes are different and some people just don't like to read at all. Yeah. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.